your children, as those wanting to learn more about you, those seeking you, those finding you, that we can come here and sing and hear and declare that you are holy, that there is no one like you, that you have no rival or equal, and that you are God, that you are faithful and good. We thank you that we can declare that and understand that about you. Father, I ask and pray that we'd be able to understand that more and more and that in all of that, in all how amazing and powerful you are, you love us. You created us. You chose us to be here in this day right now. We thank you that in how amazing you are and wonderful you are, that you are mindful of us. You love us so much. And so, Father, as we come here today, we ask that we'd be able to hear from you, that you would speak to our hearts, open up our hearts, our ears, our minds to be able to hear you clearly today. We thank you that you are with us. We thank you for sending your Holy Spirit that we are able to be near to you that you are as close to us as the air that we breathe and that we are able to worship you. And so, Lord, I pray that you would speak through me today, that I would be able to hear from you and understand what you are saying too. So we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm excited to share with you today and a little bit nervous to share with you too, but I think that's okay. We're continuing on in our Family Matters series where we're looking at the things that matter to God when it comes to family, things that matter to us in our families and the church family, but above all, the things that matter to God, the things that matter when we talk about the next generation, when we talk about this context of family discipleship. So last week I introduced this series, How Family Matters and this sort of family discipleship and how family discipleship is really just sharing our journey of faith with those around us, whether that be the people directly in our families, those in the church, those that we interact with just as we do life. Because sharing and teaching others our faith, the faith that we have in God, is something that helps those around us to do the same, something that helps those around us to understand more of who God is. We talked about how family discipleship is one of the best ways that we can be sure that our children are going to follow Jesus too. What I'm not saying is that this is guaranteed that your kids will know Jesus or that they will choose Jesus because every single one of us make our own choices. Every single one of us, our children, us personally, we're the ones who make our own choices to follow Jesus. But our job as disciples is to just share that. Our job is to share it as best we can, to pass it on so that every single person has the opportunity to know the Lord and trust in Him. So today in our Family Matters series, we're going to be looking at how how to do 
family discipleship, how to be intentional. And there is so much when it comes to this intentional part of family discipleship. So we're going to share a bit about it over the next few weeks as well. But I wanted to talk about this phrase called intentionally passive discipleship. Intentionally passive discipleship. That might sound a little bit confusing because being passive is often or is something that has negative connotations usually. It's something that's related to being inactive um, and just kind of letting things happen in a sense. And that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about being intentionally passive. So there is an activeness to the passivity. And if that's just confused everyone, it's okay. I want to share a little story. My husband and I were talking to a friend a few months ago, and he was talking with us about his adult children. His kids have grown up. They've been part of church. He's a pastor. And he was sharing that he was able to be part of his daughter's baptism. And that was just something that was so amazing and a precious thing to be part and seeing your children baptized. And part of that process was she went up and she shared her testimony. And in her testimony, she mentioned how she was so challenged and encouraged by her dad in the way that she saw him reading his Bible when he had breakfast. He'd eat, eat his breakfast and read the Bible. And that challenged her. Now, he was showing her that reading the Bible, spending time with God, was something that was important to him, something that was important to his relationship with God. Now, to him, though, he was just doing that. He was just believing in God, reading his Bible, eating his breakfast, and having that part of his day. He wasn't necessarily using words saying, God is important to me. He was just intentional in his faith, and that impacted her faith so much to see her dad reading the Word of God. He wasn't specifically talking to his daughter about it, but it impacted her so much. He was doing intentionally passive discipleship without even realizing it in a sense. And so when we talk about discipleship, I think sometimes we forget how amazing it is and how impactful our lives can be just by intentionally living out our faith, just by us trusting the Lord daily, putting Him first, living out our faith, showing those around us that He matters to us because He genuinely really does matter to you. Seeing the real you, seeing your faith in action can speak so much more to those around us than even going and having a chat with somebody for an hour sometimes can. I'm not saying that that's not important, but I'm saying the way that you live your life, the way that I live my life is just as important. It shows who we are. Jesus put it this way in Matthew chapter seven, verses 16 to 20. He said, you can identify them by their fruit. That is by the way that you act. Can you pick a grape from a thorn bush or figs from thistles? See, a good tree produces good fruit and a bad tree produces bad fruit. A good tree can't produce bad fruit and a bad tree can't produce good fruit. 
So every tree that does not produce good fruit is chopped down and thrown into the fire. Yes, just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, so you can identify people by their actions. We can seem good on the outside, but it's going to show in the fruit that we produce, in the things that come out in our lives in the day today, what is really in our hearts. And the thing is, those that are around us, those who are closest to us are often the ones who are going to see that. They're going to see our responses in the day to day. They're going to see that fruit coming out of our hearts, the things that are in our hearts coming out as we respond to hard situations, coming out as we come out and wake up in the morning and the first things that we do is showing the fruit that's in our hearts, the fruit that's in our lives. So I've been reading this book called Family Discipleship Blueprint, and it's basically a plan on how to disciple your family from like the tiniest person right through to a young adult. And if you'd like to read it, um, I can share it with you. But I wanted to share a story from it that I read that it just kind of shook me a little bit. So this is written from a, I think it's a young adult now, but a teenager. He said, my parents raised me to be a Christian, but many times I saw in them the opposite of how a Christian should act. The example I saw from them was inconsistent. And I learned from them to rationalize partying and drinking with my friends and then going to church the next day. But it wasn't just the alcohol. It was them emphasizing how important church was and expecting me to be part of every youth activity when the only time they went to church was on a Sunday morning. The best way to describe my home growing up was do as I say, not as I do mentality. And after a while, I was just so fed up with the hypocrisy. If it wasn't for the outside influences in my life, don't believe I would be a Christian today. My youth minister and his wife were the people I confided in, and I saw true consistency and realness from them in their Christian lives. There were also other role models in my life from the church that encouraged me to be better and who guided me to find what true Christianity was all about. My family was never truly bad, but if they had lived out what they said they wanted for me, they would have a bigger part in my faith today. It is crucial for families to emphasize the importance of practicing what you are preaching and being consistent and stable in your faith. If you want your children to feel the desire to be involved in church, show them that you enjoy being involved. If you want them to put God first in everything, make sure you show them that God is first in your life. And for non-parents, I encourage you to be the influence to someone that my youth minister was to me. You'll never truly know the impact that you could make on a young person by just listening and being a godly example. Now, this story isn't from somebody specifically in our church. It's from someone in America. But many young people today, I would suspect, potentially have a similar story. People in church, the church family, are the ones who showed them this genuine faith when their family, even though they weren't specifically bad, 
their family didn't show them that faith. This person's parents were kind of passive in their faith, but they weren't intentionally passive in their faith. They were doing one thing and, and living another, and their intention was for their children to love the Lord, but day to day their life didn't show that. So church, what kind of faith do we have? Whether you have children in your home now or not, your genuine faith matters because there are people who are looking for real disciples, people who are looking for people who they can say, this is real. I can believe this because I see it in your faith. Parents, do our children see us, see their parents as people who just have this appearance on Sunday mornings but a different one during the week. Aunties and uncles, do your nieces and nephews see you one way as with Christian people and then another with different friends? Grandparents, do your grandkids see you passionately loving Jesus and loving other people through the way that you speak? Brothers, sisters, do your siblings know that you love Jesus because they see it in the way that you love them too? These questions are for each one of us, no matter our family circumstances. Do people see Jesus in the way that we just live our lives? Do people know that we love them? Do people know that we want them to know Jesus just by the way that we live? Are we people with godly character and integrity? If we're going to be these good role models for the next generation, it starts with us. It starts with us being intentional and genuine and real in our relationship with Jesus because your relationship with Jesus matters. And so we need to get intentional. We need to get intentional so that we can be intentionally passive. So where do we start? Allow God to reclaim your heart. See, again, what is truly in our hearts is what's going to come out. And if God doesn't have a whole heart, it means there's going to be other things there too. We will not be able to be intentionally passive in our discipleship and pass on our faith to those around us if we are not walking with Jesus, if Jesus is not the forefront of our life. And the thing is, what happens is it's not that we don't have faith in God. We believe in God. We have faith in Him. And it's not that we don't love God. It's just that there is so much going on in life. There is so much happening. It's just so, so busy with stuff going on. It's easy to sing these songs on a Sunday morning or wherever we are and declare that we love the Lord and we want to serve Him. But then we place a really high importance on other things. And the thing is, we can't really do both. I mean, you can do both, but you can't do both at the same time. See, what's happened is we've accepted so much of our worldly culture and we end up doing so much, spending so much time in seeking those things. 
instead of showing our children this faith that we want to pass on to them, we focus on making sure that they have every opportunity to be part of things in this world which don't necessarily have great value in heaven. We don't want our kids or our grandkids to miss out, so we make sure that they get to see the latest movies or be part of the latest events, best toys, games, clothes, etc. experiences. We want them to not miss out on the fun things that this world has to offer, and yet we miss the greater things, the more important things. The only times we do family prayer is at dinner. We're quick to memorize lyrics to the latest songs on the radio, but then say we can't memorize scripture because it's too hard. We say we love the Lord and we want to follow him, but we fill our lives and our minds with all these things. We miss the precious things that God wants to show us. Romans 12, 2 says, Don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. And then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. It is really hard to be different to this world. It's so hard. And sometimes the things of this world are so subtle. Now, what I'm, I'm not saying, don't be part of things at all. I'm not saying don't do the sport or the dance or the drama or whatever. I'm not saying don't do that. But what I am saying is asking us to look at our lives, look at our families and ask us, what are the things that really do matter? What are the things that really do matter to us? Do the things of God really matter to us in our families? Does our relationship with God really matter to us in our families? And then reflect and see, do the things that our families do, does that reflect the relationship with God that we have? Or are there other things stopping us from doing these things of God that do matter to us, but they just don't fit into our schedule? Because if we can't fit the things of God into our lives because we've filled it with other things, we might need to, or we do need to, have a look at what's going on, reevaluate our priorities. Because if the things of God really matter to us, then they're gonna really matter to us. If they're the reason we can't fit in Bible reading, we're too busy to fit Bible reading in because we've got other stuff going on, if we're too busy to pray because we have to be at these other events, we need to cut something out. If we cannot be part of a Bible study group to grow our faith because I have to be at this thing, we need to reevaluate. Again, I'm not saying don't go and be part of the things in the community. I'm not saying that. But if those things are taking over our life and we're missing the precious things to God, the precious things God wants to show us, we really need to look at what's important and what matters. 1 Corinthians 10, 23 to 24. Paul says, you say I'm allowed to do anything, but not everything is good for you. You say, I'm allowed to do anything, but not everything is beneficial. Don't be concerned for your own good, but for the good of others. 
when we reclaim our hearts for God, when we allow God to have our whole selves, it changes not just us, it changes those around us. Because there are good things out there that we can be part of and it's fun, but they're not necessarily beneficial. Maybe it's something that you do that you really love doing, but then your family misses out on on other things that are important. Perhaps there are some things in our lives that are preventing us from doing those things that really do matter. So what matters? What matters to you? What really matters to you? Because we're going to do the things that really do matter to us. So I ask you to ask God about that. What matters? And then ask God to give you the passion. Ask God to give you the desire to do the things that matter to him. He is faithful and he will do that. One of our favorite verses at the moment is Philippians 2.13. And it says, for God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. So you're not alone in this. You're not alone in wanting to do the things that God wants you to do. And it's this little battle going on where you really want to follow God, but then there's other things going on. Ask God to help you. He's the one who will give you the desire. He's the one that gives you the power to do what pleases Him. Don't do it in your own strength. Don't go and try and go, okay, I need to stop doing these things and try and do all of this other stuff and read the Bible and be at these prayer meetings because if we try and do it in our own strength, then we're going to get exhausted and we're going to not want to do those things because it's been a have-to attitude and a have-to mentality. But when it comes out of this heart that's reclaimed for God with our full attention on God, He gives you the desire. He gives you the willingness and the power to do the things that please Him, just as His Word says. But again, it starts right here. It starts with us. It starts with each one of us individually, loving the Lord, just as we read last week in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4 to 9. It says, Listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone, and you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and all your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road, when you're going to bed, when you're getting up. Tie them to your hands and wear them on your foreheads as reminders. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. It starts with us loving the Lord, loving Him with all our heart, with all our soul, all our mind, all our strength. And so I encourage each one of us, love the Lord. Let Him reclaim your heart. And then we can go and be intentionally passive in our faith. Because then we're going to be able to be intentionally passive in our Bible reading, just like our friend whose daughter saw him reading the Bible every day. So I've got these ideas and things that we can be intentionally passive in. And again, I encourage you to ask God about it, what that looks like in your life for those around you, because we're all in different seasons. But just some ideas, Bible reading. Be intentionally passive in your Bible reading. Select a time or a place that you can read your Bible, that people will know that you're reading your Bible. Now, 
It's not about being, look at me, I'm reading my Bible. It starts with us loving the Lord first. Okay, everything flows out of that first. But we're able to show our families, hey, Bible reading is important to me. It's part of my day. It's part of my relationship with God. And so I challenge you to be intentional in how you read that, where you read that. But also, I'm going to put a little another, just a thought out there. You might disagree with me. That's okay. I challenge you to read a real paper Bible. I love my phone Bible at times. version Bible app is great. But the thing with your phone is that it just looks like you're scrolling through your phone and nobody will actually know that you're reading the Bible because you're just scrolling the phone unless somebody says, hey, what are you doing? Oh, I'm reading my Bible. Because you're not often going to be on your phone then going, I'm reading my Bible, unless you are. But it's, it's not really, it doesn't show someone straight away that when they look at you, they know you're reading the Word of God. So perhaps you want to pull out a paper Bible. Now, I don't have mine with me this morning because I'm using my iPad. But when... There's nothing like holding the Word of God in your hands. There's nothing like having a physical Bible. And something happens when, when you have that physical Word of God, people see that that's the Bible because it's hard to not know that it's a Bible, especially if they know that you're a Christian. So I, kind of, I challenge you in that. But then if you also have a physical Bible, you kind of have to know it more in the sense of you can't just scroll through and find the book that you're looking for. You have to know where to go. So yeah, I challenge you to use a paper Bible and then be strategic about what that looks like. Perhaps you want to set a certain time and say to your family, okay, this is going to be the time when I read the Bible. Or maybe don't say it, just start to do it. Or if if you're married, talk to your spouse about it and say, hey, I want to choose this time. Can you help me out with that? But show those around you that time in the Bible matters, that time with God matters, just by living that, having that in your life. Show them that. Ask God to give you the passion and the desire to read his word. The next one is prayer. You can be intentionally passive in prayer. I know that Jesus does say that when you pray, go and hide in your room and, and it's not about having this big show and that's not what prayer, that's not what I'm, necessarily saying. I'm not saying make sure you pray so loud that your whole family hears you praying. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying let's get intentionally passive about our prayer and let them know that prayer is important to me. And you can do that in many different ways. You could be part of a prayer meeting saying, hey, I'm going to prayer meeting. That shows those around you straight away, oh, okay, prayer must be important to you because you're going to a prayer meeting. Or maybe it could be You say grace at dinner, but then it maybe could also be, I want to pray for you before you go to bed, just that kind of stuff. Being intentional, but also not necessarily saying you need to pray, not the whole you need to pray. Start it with us, being intentional with us. The next one I have is serving and using our gifts. Intentionally start to serve God and the body the family of God, by using your gifts. 
Because when we start serving, when we start loving others in that way and building up the body of Christ, it shows those around us that the family of God matters to us as well. The family of God matters to God, but then it also matters to us. There was a study that I heard on a podcast that said, from America, however, I think the statistics would be pretty relevant here too, that said, families where both parents are serving in church, 90% of their children stayed in church. And that's a huge statistic. But I've kind of seen that in my own life as well. When both parents are really involved in church, when you've got family who's really involved in church, often that is passed on to the next generation. I know that's not able to happen in every family and not all the time. However, think about it. Think about ways that we're able to show our families that it's important to serve, that it's important to serve God. It's important to use our gifts, know what our gifts are, and bless God and the body with those gifts. The other amazing thing is you're able to serve God, find ways that we can serve together with our families. We're able to do that. The Bible I've been reading in Chronicles and it's talking about how the families serve together. Even in the book of Nehemiah, when they were rebuilding the wall, they did that in their families. Think about ways that you can come together and serve him. But again, that starts with us starts in our hearts, having that passion and that desire. So ask God for the passion to serve him. Ask God to help you find out what your gifts are so that you can serve him. And the final one that I have here is loving others. This is a huge one. How do we go at loving others? 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 to 8 says, love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It's not irritable. It keeps no record of wrongs. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. Prophecy and speaking in unknown languages and special knowledge will become useless, but love will last forever. Love will last forever. In our conversations about others and with others, are we keeping records of wrongs? Are we bringing things up about how this person wronged us? Are we being loving? Are we being loving or by being jealous in our conversations? Are we being loving or are we demanding our own ways? Loving others comes out in how we talk with people, how we talk about people, how we care for others. Jesus said in John chapter 13, verse 34 to 35, he says, so now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I loved you. You should love each other. Your love for one another will prove that you are my disciples. 
genuinely loving people as Jesus calls us to love speaks loud and clear to those around us. It shows others that we are his disciples. It shows those around us that because we genuinely love Jesus and love others, that we must follow him. This starts from loving Jesus first and flows out to every single thing that we do. And the perfect example of all of those things that we've just been talking about, of Bible reading or time with God and prayer and serving and gifts and loving others is summed up in the life of Jesus. See, Jesus did this. He didn't just go and tell his disciples to go and do things. He does tell them to do that, but he also showed them. He showed them and was intentional in the way that he showed them. He made time to be with God. Jesus took time to go by himself, to pray, to meet with God, to know his Father. The disciples knew that that was important to him. They wrote about it and they saw him do that. He showed his disciples the importance of prayer and we also see him teach them how to pray. He showed them how to serve and love others. He used his gifts. He healed people. He met people where they were at and just loved people who others would not love. He showed them that. And he showed us that when he came and gave his life for us. He showed us that through his word. And then he calls us to do the same. Starts with the way we love God, with our whole heart, soul, mind, and strength, just as Jesus did. And then it flows out. So I, I challenge us and encourage us, hopefully. Where is our heart? Where is your heart? Because if you're going to model your faith, even intentionally, passively disciple others in your faith, it starts with having a heart on fire. It starts with having your heart set on the things above. It starts with us. And so if you're here today thinking that you're not good enough, thinking that you're not good enough to be a role model in your faith, I need to let you know something. You already are modeling your faith, whether that's the way you want it to be or not, because we're already showing others our faith in the way that we live you're already being a role model in that. And the thing is, none of us are actually good enough to do it. None of us have it all together. All of us need Jesus. He is all we have. And so again, if you want to be a good model in your faith, if you want to be intentionally passive in discipleship, you can be. It just starts with again, letting him in to your heart, asking him to show you. And if you want to show this generation and the next generation and the generations to come this faith, all we have to do is come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. It's nothing that we have done. It's all him. Ephesians 2, 8 to 10 says, God saved you by his grace when you believed. You can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. 
Salvation is not a reward for the good things that you've done, we've done. So none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things that he planned for us long ago. He created you in Christ Jesus or he wants to make you new through his son so that you can do these good things he planned for you to do long ago. He planned for you to be a good model in your faith. He planned for you to disciple others. He planned for you to just live out your faith by loving him. He planned that long ago. He planned for that to flow into each part of your life. And so as you do that, as you start loving him first, you can become intentionally passive in your discipleship because others will see the way that you love Jesus and it will flow on, even without you necessarily telling them. We're going to talk about how to tell in the coming weeks. But this week, it starts here. It starts with your heart. You are able to do this through him who gives you the strength, through him who gives you the desire. But will you come back to him? Will you allow him to reclaim your whole heart so that you can be intentional in your faith? Will you pray with me? God, we thank you so much for your love for us. Again, that you loved us so much that Jesus, you set aside heaven, you set aside the throne to become a man, to show us how to love, to show us how to serve, to show us how to trust in you, to show us that the Father, God is real and magnificent and holy. We thank you so much for your love for us. Thank you that we are able to come to you today and be part of your family. We thank you that you are the one who makes us righteous because of what you have done. And because of that, we are able to share our faith with others. Lord, we confess that there have been times when we haven't had you on the throne of our hearts when we haven't put you first, where we've chased after the things of this world instead of the things of you. Father, we ask for your forgiveness because we know that there is no one like you. We know that nothing compares to you. And so Lord, today, we want to exalt your name. We want to exalt you in our hearts. And we ask you, to fill us afresh. And so, Lord, we thank you for the gift of eternal life. We thank you for those around us that we're able to share our faith with and do life with. We thank you, God, for your faithfulness to us that we don't have to do this alone. You don't call us to do this alone. You call us to just come to you. And so, Lord, I pray for those who are coming to you today, that we would be able to come before you as your sons and your daughters, proclaiming our love for you, Lord Jesus.